You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. I don't know about you, but I've been hearing this commercial over and over again um, coming up about the uh, adjustable desks that go up and down. And um, in in the midst of that commercial, they make a statement that says, sitting is the new smoking. Now, I don't know if that's an actual fact or not, but I do know that we Americans are sitting a lot more than we used to. We're sitting in our cars for longer periods of time. We're sitting at our computers. We're sitting using our phones. We're sitting in front of the television. We're sitting at our desks. And we were not made to sit. We were not, we were made to move. Our bodies were made for motion. And as Jonathan mentioned in the video that we started with this morning, in our spiritual life, we are made for motion and activity as well. Throughout the scriptures, there are multiple examples of God encouraging his people to not just sit in their circumstances, but to take Um, action based on their trust in him. Today we're going to look at a couple of days in the life of an unsung hero by the name of Jonathan. Now this Jonathan is the one who is the son of King Saul and the really loyal friend to King David. He's also a military leader and as one he is very gutsy and he's very brave. He would have made a great character in an action movie. Jonathan was a man of faith who lived with a bias to action rooted in a daring dependency on the Lord. Now, as you find 1 Samuel chapter 14 in whatever form of Bible that you're using, I want to take a moment to set the backdrop of the scene that we are going to read about today. Israel's army at this point in time is down to 600 men. They are facing their enemy, the Philistines, and in chapter 13, it says that at this time, the Philistines have 30,000 chariots and 6,000 infantrymen. Not good odds for the Israelites. The Philistines have raided the neighboring uh, villages and have confiscated all of the weapons. And the scriptures say that only two swords remain in in Israel's army. One belongs to King Saul and one belongs to Jonathan. Saul's army is totally intimidated and they're paralyzed by the Philistines. So what do they do? They take to hiding in caves. And what's the king do? Well, we find him sitting under a pomegranate tree, contemplating um, the situation and hoping that something will change. Now, I don't know about you. Hope is a wonderful thing, and we need to have it in our hearts. But hope is not a good strategy. Unlike Saul, who's focused on his comfort, Jonathan is focused on the circumstances and decides that the time for sitting has come to an end. It's time to stop deliberating. It's time to move. It's time to take action. So he begins to survey the possibilities. And he realizes that there's a very narrow pass between two mountains. One mountain is called Boaz, um, which means slippery. And one is called Sena, which means thorny. So Jonathan's looking at this pass, looking at these two rug, these two mountain ridges, 
and he has this crazy notion. Um, Some would call it that, but I think it was actually a nudging from the Holy Spirit. And his armor bearer is more than happy to go along with Jonathan's plan. So let's pick up the story there, chapter 14, beginning with verse um, 6. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. Don't we want to have people like that in our life? Jonathan said, come on then. We'll cross over towards them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we'll stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say... Come up to us. We'll climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet and with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army and those uh, a whole army those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and the raiding parties and the ground shook it was a panic sent by god and it goes on to say that as saul and his army look out over what is happening um that they actually what they saw was they saw the armies melting away an amazing day let's just take a moment to pray Father God, we have spent time worshiping you, inviting your presence here today. And now, Lord, we ask you to speak to us. Holy Spirit, I have no words that will bring life today, but you do. And so I ask that you would come and you would fill this place with your presence and you would speak to our hearts. Meet us where we are in our lives and use this uh, story, this encounter, this courageousness of Jonathan to stir us in the areas where we need to be stirred by your spirit. I pray these all to your glory and in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have you ever come to a place in your life where you are stuck? You're immobilized. You, um, you, you have surveyed the situation, you have done your to-do list, you've, you've, you've looked at the pros, you've looked at the cons, you've called Christian friends, you've read your Bible, you've done all the things that you feel like you need to do, but you just find yourself in a situation where you just keep contemplating and evaluating and going nowhere. 
That's kind of where Jonathan found himself. He was in a situation where he was in a standoff season with the Philistines. And the king is in this dreaded state of analysis by paralysis. So what does Jonathan do? He doesn't wait for an opportunity to be presented any longer. He creates an opportunity. Jonathan has a bias to action which is rooted in a daring dependency on God. His dependency on the Lord motivates him to move. A person with a bias to action is obviously an action-oriented person um, versus a discussion-oriented person. Someone with a bias to action has a bent towards execution versus constantly evaluating a situation. Granted, we're all called to seek wisdom. We're all called to get godly counsel. We're supposed to count the costs before we build something. But there comes a point in time when we're in situations and we have to stop using cautiousness as a mask to cover up our fear of failure. There comes a point in time when we have to let go of the need for God to spread all kinds of safety nets underneath us before we will take a step. There just comes a time when we have to say, it's time to take a leap of faith and do something. That's what Jonathan did. He created a plan. Now, his plan would not have passed a committee because he would have failed miserably in the risk assessment analysis. He and his armor bearer are either going to have to scale up up a very slippery mountain, uh, go down a thorny mountain, and and then climb up a very slippery mountain, Or they're going to have to slide down a very slippery mountainside and then have to climb up a mountain that is full of brambles and and thorns. Either way, not an easy task before them. And then when they get to the top of the mountain, his plan is just so brilliant. It's got so much military strategy in it. They're going to stand at the top of the mountain where there's 250 Philistines up there with all kinds of weaponry. And when they get to the top of the mountain, they're going to go, hi. And if the Philistines say, wait, they're either going to stay where they're put or they're going to die. And if the Philistines say, hey, come on over to the campfire, have a little coffee with us. We're just taking a little break. Then they're going to know that God has given them into their hands. Brilliant, right? I don't think so. Um, So anyway, um, uh, even though Jonathan has no specific call from God, he's not heard from a prophet. He doesn't have a specific assignment that God has given him. He just finds himself in a situation where he just can't talk about it anymore. So he exercises the best plan he can think of, and he makes a bold move in trusting himself into God's hands. It's been said that you'll never take big hills without making bold moves. It's a bias to action that positions us to live a life of significance. Now, it's important to recognize that Jonathan's action did not flow out of recklessness. 
what may have looked like an impetuous decision to others was really an exercise of faith in the Lord. Jonathan's initiative was fueled by his confidence in God. His confidence, I think, was grounded in his understanding of four things. Um, Joshua understood God's purposes, God's promises, God's power, and God's perspective. Say those with me. God's purposes, God's promises, God's power, God's perspective. Listen to what he says in verse 6. Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. He knew that God had made a covenant with Israel that assured them of his presence and his protection while they fought their enemies. When he brings God, when God brings the, the Israelites out of their Egyptian slavery, his purpose is to take them into the land of Canaan. Then God promises that he will do the saving and the delivering as the Israelites conquer all of the tribes that are surrounding them. Jonathan knows at this point that they have defeated many of their enemies, but the Philistines still exist. And they are now taunting and oppressing God's people. So even though he had no guarantee what the outcome was going to be, Jonathan had confidence that what he was about to do would honor God's purposes and his promises. It's the same for us. We know that when we are moving in a direction that aligns with God's expressed purposes and promises, that we can have the assurances of his presence as well. Even if we mess up, if what we are doing is to honor um, our is to honor God, God will honor us in the process. Now, continuing in verse 6, we see that Jonathan has confidence in God's power. He says, nothing, that's a word to circle, highlight, underline, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by few or many. I like how the message paraphrase summarizes this. It says, there's no rule that, God, that says God can only deliver by using a big army. No one, no one can stop God from saving when he sets his mind to it. I can't help but think as I read these words of Jonathan um, that he must have been thinking about Israel's history and how they had overcome tremendous odds so many times. He could have been thinking about Gideon defeating the Midianites with only 300 men. Or maybe he was thinking about how the walls of Jericho came crashing down just by the shouts of people and that there were no weapons involved in all, at all. Or maybe he was thinking about how Israel saw the great delivering power of God as he brought them out of Egypt and they crossed the, the Red Sea and had to do nothing for the whole of Egypt's army to be drowned up in the Red Sea. Jonathan would have witnessed and heard about the amazing power of God at work 
all throughout his life. And it stirred his confidence. In his book, Glory Days, Max Lucado shares a time when he um, was experiencing writer's block. He was stuck in a circumstance. And he had a meeting in just a couple of days with his publishers. As he was taking his daughter to school one day, she recognized his anxiousness. And so she asked him why he was so anxious. And he, and he told her um, what was going on. And uh, so then she asks him a series of questions. She says, Dad, haven't you written other books? And he says, yes. And she says, well, how many have you written? And he says, 15. And she said, then she asks him, so God has already helped you 15 times already, right? And he says, yes. And then she asks the power question. Then don't you think he has the power to help you again? Don't you just hate it when your kids are smarter than you? <laughs> if we want to grow in our confidence in God's power, we would be wise to build a trophy case in our heart of the victories that we have experienced in our life. Then, when we're hesitating to move forward, we can go back and we can review all those trophies and it'll allow confidence, fresh confidence in God's power to rise up within us. So not only was Jonathan confident in God's purposes, God's promises and God's power, Jonathan was confident in God's perspective. Daniel 11.32 is a scripture you are going to want to know. The American Standard Version says it like this, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Let me say it again. The people who know their God will display strength and take action. It doesn't say the people who know something about God will take action. It says the people who know God. Not think about God, not believe in the few things about God, but know God. You see, if you don't know God you have a hard time believing that he even likes you, let alone will fight for you. It's in the knowing him, in the knowing what he says about you, in the knowing what his thoughts are towards you, in the knowing of his character, in the knowing of his nature. It's in the knowing God that your confidence is built up to trust him in daring moves. If you don't know God, your confidence is always going to be hindered by unbelief. So how well do you know God? Do you know him at all? If not, that needs to start today. If you are confident in his thoughts towards you, not only will you take action, but you will display strength. As I said in the 8 o'clock service, that means you'll take hell on with a water pistol. <laughs> Jonathan's proactive response opened the way for God to work through his life. And his initiative set the stage for a significant victory. Jonathan dares to move and God smiles. 
They didn't have any guarantees, but what they did have was a willingness to exercise their faith. Now, there is a big difference between having faith and exercising faith. Having faith is like being seated at a football game and your team is down to about the 20-yard line and you just know, you believe with all your heart, if they can just score one more down, they're probably going to make a touchdown. Or having faith is something that in the church we say a lot to each other. Well, just hold on to your faith, have faith. And we're just encouraging one another, hey, you can entrust your life to a good and powerful God. But having faith is pass- usually is passive, it's inwardly focused, and it's very comforting. Exercising faith, however, is what we do because we believe God. Exercising faith is active. It's outwardly focused, and it's usually discomforting. Exercising faith is what James refers to in chapter 2, verse 17. Faith by itself, having faith, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Can't you just imagine the scene in heaven I can just kind of see God leaning over his throne and saying to a couple of angels, hey, come on over here. Come on over here. I want to show you something. Look at those two sons of mine down there. Look at that audacious audacious faith that they have. They're going to go up those mountains. They trust me so much. They're going to go down that mountain. They're going to go up that mountain. And they're trusting that I'm going to be there. And they've only got one sword. You know what? I'm going to make their day. I'm going to send an earthquake. And they are never going to forget what happened. We think that might sound silly. But quite frankly... I think God is looking for opportunities to display his magnificence. I think God wants to do supernatural things in our life. I think God wants to show us how awesome and mighty he is. But in order to do that, did you see what the other ingredient was? Jonathan and his armor bearers' faith. We have to partner in faith with God. We have to put our trust in him. And as we do that, God will do amazing things through us. Jonathan and his armor bearer do the unthinkable. And with God, they accomplish the impossible. The same can be for us. Now, I don't know how many of you are over 20, probably a good portion of the people in this room, but if you're over 20, have you ever thought about telling your 18-year-old self some things about life? It's an interesting exercise. If you happen to be under 20 or in your 20s, I'm going to use this as a mentoring moment to talk to you. As I was reading and reflecting upon this story, um, I began to think about my own life. And as just an exercise, I ended up writing a letter to my younger self. Since I have a few years on her, I thought I might be able to give some perspective. And so as I read this letter, I want, um, I'm praying that something will stir inside of you. And I'm praying that maybe even something will break loose a little bit with, within your own life um, And you'll hear maybe a little bit of you in this story and a little bit of the story of Jonathan in this letter. Dear Michelle, 
Your nature is to want to be comfortable and safe. During your life, you are going to be presented with opportunities that will require you to risk faith. In an effort to avoid mistakes, you will want to retreat from being daring and bold. When you find yourself deliberating for too long or wanting just one more sign from God, remember, if you choose safety and you don't risk going up the mountains, you risk not seeing the miraculous. Don't wait for everything to be perfectly aligned and in its place to move on what God has put into your heart. Make it your life mission to know God. Because to step out in faith the way you're going to need to, you will need to know as much about him as possible. And you are going to need to know and be convinced of how much he loves you you'll come to realize that your spiritual journey is more important than your earthly experiences. If you attempt to trust God and fail in the eyes of people, you will succeed in the eyes of the Lord and you won't have regrets. Daring dependency on the Lord will be your highest accomplishment. So go for it, girl. Don't settle for anything less than a divine adventure. Signed, your seasoned self. It's advice I wish I'd had 30 years ago. So let me ask you a couple of questions this morning. Do you find yourself sitting at a red light? Or do you find that you've been sitting at a yellow cautious light for too long? And this morning, the Holy Spirit is just nudging you. Move. Take action. Put your trust in me. I'll be there for you. I will fight for you. There are no guarantees but I'm with you. Well, um, in your sermon notes this morning, or if you're on your app, uh, the very bottom of the notes pose three questions. And we really want to encourage you to take some time today, tomorrow, the next couple of days, and really reflect upon these questions. Answer them honestly. Maybe pray through them. Ask God to meet you at wherever your, your point of inactivity is. The Lord will meet you, and he will stir your confidence to trust him to make a move. But you have to make a move along with him. Amen? Amen. Well, I just pray that you have just an incredible week this week. Um, and if you need prayer this morning, our prayer partners are coming forward. You know, um, one of the things that I mentioned in this message was that we need to know God in order to have a bias to action that is rooted in daring dependency on him. We need to know him. And this morning, if you find yourself going, I know about him, 
but I don't think I really know him. I don't really have a relationship with him. I want to implore you, please come talk to one of these leaders, have them pray with you and, and just kind of lead you into that relationship with the Lord so that you can walk in the kind of confidence that we've been talking about this morning. If you have other needs, they're more than happy to pray with you about those as well. But as you go out this week, let's just commit to be bold. Let's not, let's not sit in our circumstances too long. Let's not deliberate for long periods of time. Let's be found to be people who trust in the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength, knowing that he will light our path. Amen? Amen. Have a great day and a great week. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.